Certain types of mental activities do a particularly good job of stimulating the brain and thereby making it stronger and more resilient. To lower your risk of cognitive decline and dementia, engage in a range of diverse mental activities that are novel, challenging, and meaningful. Hi, thanks for listening. In this series of podcasts, we are examining the cogwheels of brain health. The cogwheels are eight important behavioral areas that have a profound impact on the health of our brains. In this episode, we will explore thinking, how we use our mental capacities. As with all of the cogwheels, there are good ways to use our brains, ways that make them stronger and healthier, and then there are less good ways ways that cause damage and decline. I'm Michael C. Patterson, your host for the MindRamp podcasts. I'm excited to be spending this time with you. This cogwheel, the mental cogwheel, is a challenge because the term mental covers such a broad range of important topics, so I'm going to have to be selective about the topics I choose to address. I want to divide mental activities into two broad categories and explore each one separately in separate podcasts. The first category of mental activities can be characterized as mental stimulation because it focuses on stimulating the growth, strength, and resilience of brain structures. We will focus on this area in this episode. The second category that we will cover in another episode can be characterized as mental management because it focuses on managing the way that we use our mental capacities. So what do we mean by mental stimulation? Certain types of mental activities have been shown to stimulate the growth and resilience of brain structures. These are activities that enhance the physical brain, the tangible brain. These mental activities are more closely associated with long-term plastic changes to the brain. They stimulate such things as neurogenesis and the growth and strengthening of dendrites and synapses. They produce neurotransmitters that promote repair and renewal of damaged brain cells. So when addressing mental stimulation, our concern is with identifying those mental activities that keep the operating system of our brains and nervous systems in good health and in good repair. Now, this kind of stuff is hard to experience. We can't feel dendrite growth. We have no sensation of myelin being wrapped around neurons to insulate and stabilize them. So this area of mental stimulation requires a bit of an act of faith. We simply have to trust or hope that doing the right things will lead to the desired results. So that begs the question, what are the right things to do to protect and strengthen the physical structures of the brain? And how do we know that these things are likely to help? The basic principle of brain plasticity pretty much boils down to use it or lose it. Parts of the brain that are used and exercised the way they are supposed to be used tend to get stronger. Parts of the brain that aren't used tend to get weaker. 
Brain activity requires energy and resources, and the brain is a good resource manager. It doesn't waste resources on brain cells and structures that aren't pulling their weight, that aren't doing anything. The resources, the the blood flow, the delivery of oxygen and nutrients is directed towards areas of the brain that are doing the work. So that's why it's important to find mental activities that stimulate all parts of the brain. Your goal is to keep your entire brain and nervous system and connections to the body and, and etc. active, engaged, and therefore getting the resources they need to stay healthy, to repair damage, and to build strength and resilience. So you want to find activities that engage the brain along the left-right axis, the front-back axis, and the top-to-bottom axis. How do you do this? Well, here are some quick rules of thumb for mental stimulation. The first rule of thumb we want to cover is diversity. You need to engage in multiple types of mental activities. Different mental activities engage different parts of the brain. So over the course of the day, the more varied types of mental activities you engage in, the more likely you are to broadly stimulate your brain. Think, feel, remember, imagine. Use logic and also use intuition when solving problems. Narrow your focus of attention for some tasks, then expand the scope of attention for others. When you do the same thing, the same type of activity over and over again, you just strengthen that one part of the brain that you're exercising. The rest of the brain is understimulated and therefore starved of resources. It's that use-it-or-lose-it principle again. Brain cells that don't get stimulated get no resources and eventually atrophy and even die. Brain cells that are used respond to the challenge and they prosper. I was at a conference of neuroscientists a few years back, and Michael Merzenich, who is a pioneer in the area of brain plasticity, was talking about the use-it-or-lose-it principle and making the point that we can protect the brain from decline and deterioration from, from dementia by exercising it and stimulating it as much as possible, as broadly as possible. And another well-known neuroscientist rose to comment on what Merzenich was saying. He said, Mike, if what you're saying is true, then all of us in this room are in pretty good shape. We spend all of our days doing difficult science, stimulating our brains. So we are all pretty much protected from dementia. And Mersnick said, I'm paraphrasing, of course, well, not necessarily. If you spend your days doing the very same kind of mental activity over and over again, day after day, you are over-exercising one part of your brain, but under-stimulating the rest of your brain. So his point was that you have to stimulate your entire brain in a variety of different ways if you want to give yourself the best chance of preventing dementia. A scientist who just does the same thing over and over again, even if it's stimulating, is only stimulating one part of his or her brain. The second rule of thumb is that you should engage in 
novel activities, engage in mental activities that are new and different. This rule of thumb flows from the rule of variety and diversity. The brain, particularly the right hemisphere, is always alert to new information, to anomalies, to things that are not expected. This is clearly a good survival strategy. Anything that is new and unexpected in your environment might be a threat, needs to be monitored, or it might be an opportunity that shouldn't be missed. In either case, the brain perks up and is stimulated by novel stimuli. The fact that novelty is the primary domain of the right hemisphere is important because we tend to favor and overuse our left hemisphere functions and ignore the right hemisphere functions. We need both hemispheres to be healthy and working in cooperation with each other to achieve optimal performance. The opposite of novelty, right hemisphere, is routine, which is more of a left hemisphere activity. Both novelty and routine are incredibly important to us. If we become imbalanced towards routine, however, we get stuck in a neurological rut. The same brain cells and neural networks are stimulated over and over again, and they get bored. They get fatigued. The same level of stimulus just isn't as exciting as it was at first. Learned routines require fewer resources uh, than do new and unfamiliar activities. So exposure to novelty keeps the brain fresh and engaged by altering the stimulus. And it keeps a good flow of resources coming to that area that's stimulated. Note that this process of brain cell fatigue plays a role in addiction. The more cocaine a person uses, for example, the less their brain responds. So to get the same level of high, an addict has to continually increase the volume and frequency of drug use. The next rule of thumb is challenge. Engage in mental activities that require effort, focus, and concentration. As we mentioned earlier, the more you practice a mental routine, the easier it becomes and the less energy it requires. This is great on the whole. I mean, the brain conserves energy by running well-learned mental routines uh, almost on autopilot. But to keep the brain healthy and strong, it has to be stimulated. So whenever possible, strive for continual improvement. Constantly trying to improve your skills not only increases your efficiency and productivity, but it also keeps a good level of resources flowing to those neural networks. You not only use it, but you improve it. The world is constantly changing. Great routines that worked in the past work less well in the present because circumstances have changed. Constant change requires us to think creatively and to be vigilant about updating routines that are less efficient than they should be or are obsolete and need to be replaced. Challenging activities, when addressed creatively, combine novelty and stimulation, which in turn expands the parts of the brain that are active and alive. Meaningful is our next rule of thumb. Engage in mental activities that reflect your values and engage your emotions. It's important in anything we do to monitor how well the activity is tracking with our core values. 
Does the activity feel consistent with your values? Does it enable you to be the best version of yourself that you can be? Or conversely, does the activity conflict with your values? Does it cause you to behave in ways that cause embarrassment or shame or regret? Activities that conflict with your values not only cause you to behave in ways that are counterproductive and antisocial, they also cause problems in your body-brain systems. When you work at opposition to yourself, you stimulate negative emotions, which in turn stimulate a chronic stress response that ultimately erodes your well-being. When you behave in ways that are consistent with your values and consistent with pro-social values, you tend to feel good. You, you stimulate positive emotion. Any emotional response, good or bad, will stimulate the emotional areas of your brain. But stimulation with positive emotions is much healthier, more productive than stimulation with negative emotions. You want to follow the guidance of our positive plasticity premise. Increase activities that promote positive plastic changes in your brain. Decrease those activities that promote negative change. Take the example, possibly, of doing Sudoku as a means of stimulating your brain. People are always asking us whether playing mental stimulation games will prevent dementia or help keep their brains in good working condition. Now, Sudoku is a, a number puzzle, so there's no guesswork with Sudoku. It's pure logic. A number works or it doesn't work. So is doing Sudoku a good mode of brain stimulation? It's okay. It won't hurt. I mean, it, it provides some benefit, but it falls short in a number of ways. How meaningful is it to you that you solve this little puzzle? In the grand scheme of things, does it really matter to you? Probably not. So doing Sudoku probably won't engage your emotional brain. Some parts of your cortex will be stimulated, but, but subcortical areas will be unaffected. So there's no top-down stimulation. Sudoku is highly logical, so it's likely to preferentially activate the left hemisphere while leaving the right hemisphere unaffected. The point is that doing Sudoku will stimulate only a very narrow and limited part of your brain. As such, it is a limited activity, and you're looking for mental activities that stimulate broadly dispersed areas of the brain. Which brings us to the next rule of thumb. Complexity. Engage in mental activities that have lots of moving parts, requiring a broad range of different cognitive and physical skills, and that requires creative problem solving. The more complex the mental activity, the more likely it is to engage multiple areas of the brain, left and right, top and bottom, front and back, and so on. Creative activities Activities that require flexible thinking and constant readjustments almost invariably are complex in the way that we're talking. In our podcast on the creative cycle, uh, this was a MAPS method number 10 and 11, we described this standard creative process as progressing through four main phases, punctuated further by nine individual stages. In other words, the creative process engages nine different modes of thinking. Each mode of thinking stimulates the brain and body in a different way. So you sort of cover the whole brain when you go through the full entire, uh, when you go through the full creative process. 
working through the creative process, almost by definition, engages all of the important rules of thumb that we have addressed. To think creatively means, in part, to generate a broad array of diverse ideas about how to address the challenge at hand. The creative agenda usually requires revising or replacing existing routines with new ones, with novel approaches. Adapting to change and creating change is incredibly challenging. Assuming you are motivated to solve the creative challenge, you become emotionally involved in the process. So creativity is an example of the kind of multimodal activity that we are looking for to stimulate the full brain. So to summarize, there's a robust body of research showing that people with higher levels of education, for example, are better protected from cognitive decline and dementia. More education, less dementia. Further, people who engage in complex and challenging work also benefit in the same way. Why would higher education and challenging work environments be protective? because they activate all of the rules of thumb for brain stimulation and build really strong and resilient brains. Their mental tasks are challenging and complex. They involve novel problems to be solved, and and they tend to be meaningful. What do you do if you aren't lucky enough to be in a learning situation or to have highly stimulating and challenging jobs? Well, your task is a bit harder, but by no means impossible. You have to find activities that challenge and stimulate your mind in the ways that we discussed. Diversity. Stay curious. Expose yourself to a broad array of diverse ideas and subjects. Novelty. Break out of the rut of safe routines. Try things that are new. Challenge. Push yourself a smidgen each day. You can always do things a smidgen better, a little bit better. You can always develop and expand your skills, your intelligence, and your ability to take positive action. Meaning, do things that reflect your positive values. Engage in activities that help you feel good about yourself and about others. Engage your emotions. All right. That's it for this episode. I hope these rules of thumb help you identify the type of mental activities that will be most stimulating to your brain and therefore do the most to keep your brain and body in good working order. As I said in a subsequent podcast, we will address the second side of the mental cogwheel, mind management. And we will discuss how to to train your mind to adopt mindsets and mental strategies that promote health, well-being, and fulfillment. If you want more information about how to keep your brain healthy and how to optimize the performance of your mind, please take advantage of the range of free resources that are available on the MindRamp website at www.mindramp.org. All of our podcasts, for example, are available on the podcast page, and we have recently added a how-to section that organizes the podcasts around specific areas of interest to our listeners. So, for example, you can easily locate podcasts that address topics about how to live long and live well, how to protect your brain and prevent dementia, how to assess your risks for cognitive decline and dementia 
how to optimize your creativity, how to change bad habits, or how to increase your motivation. All right, now let's get back to the process of living long and living well. <music> 